0: Noted climate czar and global getabout, John Kerry, the stone-faced man who bears the weight of the world upon his scarred shoulders, recently addressed the climate change conference held in Sao Paulo, Brazil. He stood filled with confidence as he addressed an issue that has deeply, deeply concerned him and affected him greatly over the years. He had the crowd in an absolute frenzy. Each word he emphasized, these attendees sat with rapt attention, drinking in as if this were the literal water of life. They were awakened to facts and data never before realized. Over the course of time, I've been taking note of the serious nature of climate change. In the early 70s, we were made aware of the coming of the new ice age. Tom Hyden, a long-time personal friend of mine, rest his soul, cared enough to share his deep insight with us of global cooling. He greatly assisted the retail giants as they had a run on parka coats and caps and scarves and gloves and everything back in his day. The sun was fading, he said, due to man-made problems we were to expect a new ice age. Along with him was Maurice Strong, who echoed the sentiments that he supported. We were warned in time though, we were able to gather the greatest minds together and forge ahead, finding a solution, finding a solution and preventing such a disaster. Now we're faced with a new dilemma, with the atmospheric pressures estimating to be impossible to change, They're being realized, and the CO2 is rising. We've been using too much hairspray. These small aerosol cans contain enough reflective material to deflect sunlight, which, over time, has proven we desperately need. This, coupled with dirty fossil fuel emissions from our factories, automobiles, and cow flatulence, are contributing to an unusual phenomenon, which I will explain. As a child, I enjoyed my time in Massachusetts and Washington, D.C., living in the comfort of a beautiful, beautiful home, and unaffected by the ills of society. I frolicked with friends in the lush, verdant fields, enjoying my life and my leisure. I would often think of how well off I truly was. My mother was a lifetime member of the Forbes family, so financially, I had no worries. My family was established in Massachusetts. As a matter of fact, John Winthrop, lovingly referred to in our family as Winnie, was the first governor of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. I would lay in the tall grass watching the clouds form as I considered just how truly privileged I actually was. As I grew, I attended some of the best schools in New England, as well as Switzerland. I looked down and pitied the poor souls who did not have the same opportunities as I realizing that certain people were just simply superior to others. I was graced with such superiority, and rightly so. God had blessed me. My heritage, my lineage, my status, they attracted such things as this. It could not be avoided. It was my destiny. I knew as a child I was destined to lead. I was destined to understand and contribute. My intellect was such and my acquired knowledge so rich and so profound that I knew I had to share at least a portion of my gifts with the nation I loved. I knew I had to help, yes, I had to help our world as a whole escape the tendency of isolation and an inward looking at the past. I had to let them know just how the gods had gifted me with a particular knowledge. Some of this knowledge I want to share with you today. I have observed over the course of my life, that Tom Hyden was correct in his assumptions. There is a coming ice age. However, I am sure he was equally aware that there was a definite potential of global warming as well. Perhaps he was unable to articulate his thinking in such a concise manner. He was an extremely bright individual and filled with energy. And when he teamed up with Bill Ayers, it seemed as if the sky was the limit. They could bring anything down. I'm here to unite his thought, though, to complete his message. As a young man, I noticed that during the August month, a strange happening occurred. The days seemed to shorten, and the nights became cooler. Then, in the following days, I was required to wear a hand-knitted lamb's wool cow-neck sweater purchased on High Street in Bern, Switzerland, from one of the finest clothiers. It was needed to shield me from what was to come. The nights grew colder, and soon the days brought a chill in the air. The lush greenery of the valleys began to fade away. The fur on the cattle, I am told I would dare not go near them, would thicken, and birds began to hoard foods in their nest. It was obvious that something terrible was coming. Weeks would pass, and the warmth we collectively enjoyed as a people, united in purpose and desire, was slipping away. It seemed as if there was nothing we could do. Before long, men were wearing heavy, blanketed long coats, and women were bundled up as well. Heating bills in the average home ex- exceeded normal cost, and covering our faces with scarves which were purchased from zakards in Zurich. The women were really beautiful, I must admit. The temperature the temperature would drop drastically. The waters on Lake Geneva froze into blocks of ice and automobiles slid across the road as easily as a swan glided across a pond. Tom Hayden was right. I lived in torment and fear. Then after a period of approximately three to four months, the freeze seemed to relent. The ice began to melt, and the coats seemed to be too heavy as the global warming began to set in. Men and women alike began to peel away the layers of garments in which they had wrapped themselves. They were stretching themselves as a butterfly, escaping from a cocoon. The air began to warm up, and the attitudes and the desires of the people seemed to lift. A new fear besieged me. What will we do now? Each day successively. became warmer and warmer. My family tried to escape the crushing cold by migrating to the southern portions of the United States. For a few months we found a secure climate. We relaxed and were able at least to breathe. What a blessed relief this really was. But then came the dreaded heat. This blasted heat was unbearable, unsuitable for human habitation. The fear was palpable. I could see the panic and the terror in my, in my parents' faces as they told me, my brother Cameron, and my two sisters, Margaret and Diana, to pack our belongings. We were leaving. We were fleeing back to our home in Massachusetts. We had to escape this dreaded heat. We children wept. Personally, I was traumatized. I was being played by the gods. They were wreaking havoc in my life. The opulent lifestyle that I had known and enjoyed, the life of privilege and comfort was being threatened. I made it my goal then and there to confront this issue head-on. Now I'm here to tell you that Tom Hayden was right, or Hayden, however you say his name. William Mears and Al Gore, along with a myriad of other strong activists, PhDs from Harvard, Yale, Princeton, scientific minds from MIT and the Sorbonne. As well as some of the most astute theological minds gathered together and were all correct. Saul Alinsky knew what he was talking about, and Antonio Gramsci was a very clear thinking man, but we will save that wisdom for another day. I'm here to tell you, as Paul Hardy used to say, the rest of the story. In all of my travels, I have discovered that certain parts of the world are experiencing the decimation of global warming. Other parts of the world, such as the eternal zones in the Himalayan mountains and the beautiful Swiss Alps, are being forced to endure a new ice age. The facts declare these things to be true. Every year we can expect to experience long periods of heat. It will come in gradually, slowly, unnoticeably, but then grow in strength and become relentless, affecting so many. Then the effects of the sunlight being reflected away from the, from the surface of the earth, the bitterness of the cold becomes to show up, begins to show up, and its strength is magnified once more. We can expect this sort of behavior out of our environment for years to come. It's happening as sure as I'm standing here in my finely polished handmade Graziano girling shoes. We're the lucky ones, you know. We are the fortunate few. We can afford to migrate and move as the climate crisis ebbs and flows. We should pity those who work the factories and the men on the sales floors. The men who sell the food products my wife's family have managed to sell and amass an unbelievable fortune doing so. All we can do is try our best to instill as real a fear as possible into the hearts and minds of the public. We need this awareness among the people the awareness of an unavoidable disaster that is looming. We all know the end is near. The only thing we can do is hold ourselves accountable to a centralized government, a global alliance, and we can fight. We can fight for all we are worth, which in my case exceeds over $100 million. You see, it does pay to serve your country, And to keep this well from being interrupted, we need to silence those who deny the facts and ignore the science and refuse to unite with us to fight these things together. Let us work together to bring this idea of fear and doom to the masses. Then, and only then, will they willingly support our efforts and fill our coffers, assuring us of a better future. Now we can make these fears appear to be as, as real as the skin on your hand, We can manipulate the science, after all, we are the government. And Anthony Fauci has proven that, and he's done a tremendous job. We have both the right and the obligation to obfuscate facts and turn the minds of the public if we feel our power is threatened. This is the fear that will serve to bring us to power, the ultimate power and the freedom to exercise our will, to amass fortunes in order to maintain lavish lifestyles that so many envy and lust after. We will not allow ourselves to lose one dime, not one centime, not one peso. We will not allow this to happen. We few, we the elite, we must unite. If not now, then when? And if not us, then who? We are united on our side of the pond. George Soros, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, and I are working as one to do all that we can to achieve these goals. The World Economic Forum has committed itself as an organization to the cause, along with the United Nations, the Council on Foreign Relations, and the World Bank. UNICEF is reaching the children, and BlackRock is striving to bring corporate America together. Also, I, along with Joe Biden and Barack Obama, have worked long and hard to see these things come to fruition. Our only opposition, our two greatest enemies, will soon be vanquished, and we see this on the horizon. Our victory is practically assured. The church is crumbling, and it's coming into submission. The conservatives are disbanding, finding no unity in their body. Soon the shackles that have hindered us will be shed, and utopia will be attained. It's just around the corner. We've come too far to turn back now. Throw off your doubts as I threw my medals into that Viacon Creek. Won't you join me as we lock arms and sing, we are the world. Lionel, can I get you to come up here and lead us? Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. when we heed a certain call, when the world must come together as one, there are people dying, oh, when it's time to lend a hand. Somewhere we'll soon make a change. We all are all a part of God's great big family. And the truth, you know, love is always we Later, I'll help you